Let's have a look at the economy now, the South African economy specifically through the eyes of Peter Attard Montelto from Intellidex, sometimes in Johannesburg, sometimes in London, speaking to us from London at the moment. I want to go back to a report you sent me last week, Peter, on the Eskom results, because it's not just the results, it's delving behind the results and seeing what the results next year might be for the South African consumer, whether it be a household or industry, because suddenly things have become rather dire. Exactly. I think the real problem with ESCOM here is that the economy is actually a lot more resilient to normal stage one, stage two load shedding, and there is a much higher use of generation capacity. But actually, the chances that you go beyond that now are much higher. The energy availability factor is so much lower. We're down below 70%. There are huge coal problems. So I think that the problem of getting ESCOM tipping the economy over the edge to more ser- much more serious load shedding is now certainly higher. Um, and will will remain so for the next six months or so. Um, but more generally, I think the the load shedding problem is is you know ne- yet another dampener on in on investment. Uh, and the, obviously, the worst time after the investment summit, uh, you know, energy availability uh, is a key sort of category. You know, that you don't want to be falling in uh, with some of the worst cases of of the rest of Africa. And I think. We saw in the GDP numbers out for Q3 that actually private sector investment has not picked up in Q3 at all. Um, the, the numbers for Q4 on that front initially are not looking very good either. And so there's real drivers of getting back towards 2% growth faster uh, are currently not there. And, and load shedding is one component and the, and the wider issues that has gone. Mm, we'll come to... Uh, GDP in a moment and what the ESCOM situation might do to GDP in the future. But do you think that all these promises from initiatives from Cyril Ramaphosa, do you think all the promises could go out the window? It's all very well someone saying, I'll give you 10 billion, another person saying, I'll give you uh, 30 billion. But they can easily phone up and say, I'm sorry, if you can't guarantee power supply, then that 30 billion is off the table. Is that a reality? Exactly. And I think we should remember that, first of all, the investment summit had a huge amount of OPEX being announced as capex uh, and existing capex that for instance mining companies in particular and others had already announced uh, for the coming couple of years being sort of re-announced everyone wanted to be on the stage they want to be part of that amazing pr event it was great for pr uh, for a feel-good factor but really the amount of true new investment there was very limited um, and yes the even these existing plans could be uh, could be scaled back unless escom uh, is uh, is gone right, and we should remember there are other issues going on that are dampening investments as well. In particular, mining. Uh, I think people vastly overestimated um, the positive impact of uh, a change in minister um, of uh, what's gone on with the mining charter being finalised, uh, and there we're still in a very much a high um, barrier to entry, high cost model with huge amounts of state intervention, trying to pressure companies not to. Um, become more efficient and, and cut jobs. And so, you know, really actually the needle in, in many of these areas is, is sort of stabilized, if you like, and not getting worse, but it's not actually getting better yet. When you looked at the ESCOM numbers and delved into them, how dire is the situation there? We know how dire the situation is with regards to power supply, but what about the actual numbers? Is there any way that the government can dig this state-owned enterprise out of a hole? Well, I think part of the issue was the whilst the overall narrative of the numbers wasn't necessarily a surprise. We're expecting a big step up in, in debt, in leverage of the balance sheet in particular, a big step up in obviously wage costs after the mid-year wage round. Really, it was trying to think about how you turn this around, which which I think has led most people to become 
much more bearish much more quickly and why I think business and uh, organized business is going to be making a lot more of a noise on ESCOM in the next couple of weeks. So, for instance, on the municipal arrears, which we should bounce now from 14 billion to 17 billion, there simply is no political route available to sorting out that problem. And the more you sort of try and talk about, you know, doing anything on the debt side or or higher tariffs, etc., you increase the probability that actually uh, municipal delinquency into ESCOM will get worse. Uh, and the other problem was that they covered 73% of funding for this year. But that last bit, especially now there's load shedding, is, is the hard bit. And with the cash burn rate of about 3 billion rand a month, on the current projections, they will end up with zero cash at the end of the current fiscal year. And I think this is now what is what is worrying people and making the ESCOM issue so much more urgent for, for all stakeholders. Yes, it came sharply into focus yesterday during an interview I conducted with an overseas emerging market debt asset manager. And he said that while he was more optimistic about emerging market performance in all asset classes next year compared to 2018, he did say that because of quantitative tightening, there might be increased competition for capital. In other words, more paper on the market. And it seems to me that ESCOM in restructuring its debt or having an intention to restructure its debt or continue to do so have maybe missed the boat here and next year is going to be even tougher for them well they did issue let's uh, not forget a couple of months ago they had to have a guarantee they issued at very wide levels but did get out pretty sizable volumes at, at that time i think it was around two billion some two billion dollars but that still hasn't filled up their whole funding requirement for the year escom strategy for next year is and they announced this last week at the results is to focus a lot more on that, on the domestic uh, market, on the uh, government guaranteed domestic market. But actually, I think local asset managers, whilst ha- they have come back to the table since the you know, change in leadership, remember they weren't by any of this paper last year, there's still a huge amount of caution, I think, from local asset managers on, uh, on governance, on the ability to turn the company around, on all these, these factors. And actually, yeah, the ability for ESCOM to raise significant amounts of paper in the local market, I think, is constrained even if it is government guaranteed for next year. So that's the problem on the outlook, looking at these issues, as you say, in a quantitative tightening environment. The other key issue, which I think no one has really talked about on ESCOM yet, is that increasingly foreign asset managers are going to be banned from actually holding ESCOM paper because of basically climate change commitments. This particularly applies to French and Dutch asset managers, where basically ESCOM, because it burns so much coal, simply cannot be bought. The debt can't be held by these asset managers. And that's going to be an increasing theme, I think, across global investing, but particularly hitting South Africa and ESCOM, also SASOL as well. Goodness me, it's another angle that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah, very depressing. Let's move on to something slightly less depressing and actually quite a nice, decent upside surprise yesterday came in the form of third quarter GDP, which you say came in at 1.1% year on year versus a 0.5% expectation and 2.2% quarter on quarter. Is this a flash in the pan or is this us starting to do a little bit better? So there definitely is a recovery going on in the economy, but it's much slower than expected. So originally, Growth expectations for this year, if we think back straight after Nazarek, were a percentage point higher, actually, and were based off the fact that animal spirits were seen returning, investment, particularly domestic private sector investment, uh, was seen as returning through the second half of the year. And that simply isn't happening. And obviously, the sort of death of Ramaphoria through the middle of the year uh, has brought GDP forecast down very sharply. So yesterday's numbers were better than expected. But there's huge data complications here between different sorts of GDP and 
the headline numbers that you quoted is the production side, which surprised the upside, but actually the expenditure side, which is things like investment, consumption, net trade, that actually didn't surprise the upside. And so there's a quite a complex narrative trying to weed out actually what is going on. But we still stick with the view that there is a recovery going on, but it's exceptionally slow. You can see it in the uh, pickup in, in import growth, once you exclude oil and things like that. You can see it in the fact there is some sort of real credit growth. But the forward sort of sustainability of this is exceptionally challenging if we consider that also yesterday in the compensation numbers that came out, compensation growth is falling and it's going to be very muted for next year. You add on top of that you know, uh, other issues like you mentioned, like load shedding. Uh, and actually the ability to get back to 2% is still a long, slow path. Peter, thanks very much for your assessment and your analysis. That's Peter Attard-Montalto speaking to us from Intellidex.